tale of two halves for the Pelicans as they come back from 19 down to almost beat the Denver Nuggets with CJ McCollum missing the final shot at the end. But let's break down that game missing shot. Should that even have gone to CJ in the first place? And we'll also look at how the Pelicans came back in this game to get it within one. Plus, we have more injury news. Some good, not all of it good. In today's episode of Locked On Pelicans, let's go. are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this, what is it, Wednesday, after the Pelicans lose first game of a back-to-back to the Denver Nuggets. Really disappointing, coming back, almost making it happen, but a 99-98 loss to the Denver Nuggets. We'll break down the final shot with CJ McCollum. Should that have been his shot? Should someone else have taken it? Was Billy Hernan Gomez open. We'll look at all of that. Second segment, I want to talk about how the Pelicans came back. They did make a tweak to the lineup to the rotation as well, though I don't think it worked. And then finally, we have some injury news, injury updates to Dyson Daniels, who left the game early. And we also got an update on Zion Williamson as well. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel. The official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. So let's look at the final shot. Pelicans down 99-98. One shot. Before we get to that, the play before where the Denver Nuggets took the lead was not great. They were down. It would have been 97-98. New Orleans has the lead, holding on. And it's a a pretty simple play for the Denver Nuggets. And Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray pick and roll. And the Pelicans switch. And they have Larry Nance Jr. on Jamal Murray, who's trying to drive and get by and get downhill to go for two and just go up one. And you really saw, I really thought Larry Nance Jr. did a very good job of defending that. Really good job of defending that. Staying mobile. That's why you have him. That's why you close games with him. Because he's a more mobile defender and can switch in the pick and roll like that. And then I forget who was the other Pelican involved in that play because I don't want to go back and rewatch it. It's going to traumatize me more. Helps off of Nikola Jokic and goes right over to Jamal Murray and they kind of throw two bodies at him, though the guard or the, the wing is out of position. And Nikola Jokic is just left all alone at basically the free throw line. And Jamal Murray is like, well, if you all want to force the ball out of my hands, I'll happily do that and just Casually tosses it to Jokic, who puts the shot up, and it goes in. And it's a little weird that you wouldn't keep a body on Nikola Jokic at the end of the game. That's a play that I think is going to be underrated in this one when you're kind of looking at it, forgotten about, because we're all talking about the final shot that the Pels took. But the final shot for the Nuggets, when Jokic at the time had 23, 10, and 11, or 11 and 10, what are we doing here? 
He's going to win his third straight MVP. Do we really need to leave Nikola Jokic open? But that's what the Pelicans did, which wasn't great. But onto the final shot. Pelicans get the inbound. It's coming from under the baseline. You have Herb Jones inbounding it. You have Billy Hernan Gomez cutting down, gets to right under the basket. Herb tosses it over to CJ, makes a little move to the side, takes an off-balance contested three-pointer that doesn't go in. That was all she wrote. Nuggets grabbed the rebound. That was that. You know, you can nitpick this play. I think this one's fair to than the one that CJ took the other night. But I I don't know. This is an interesting play. So what everyone's kind of pointing to is, was Billy Hernan Gomez open on the cut going under the basket and should Herb Jones have sent the passed the ball to him? You know, after the game, Billy said that Herb came up to him and said, you know, I'm sorry I missed you. That was my fault. Said it's a learning experience. I don't think that's the easiest pass. For one, Aaron Gordon is kind of going back and forth and shading to the right on that inbound pass, though you would imagine a pump fake from Herb would get him out of position or up in the air, and that it opens up that pass to Billy under the basket. You know, right under the basket, you also had Nikola Jokic chasing him, moving downhill really quickly right behind him. He's only open for a split second, and then that split second, you know, takes to make that pass. Jokic has come back, I think at the very least, it might have been a foul then on Jokic, which sent Billy to the line for two. You only need to make one to tie. Going to the line for two there is a pretty good thing, all things considered. But I don't think it's the easiest read, and it really depends on the angles that you're looking at it from. There's a couple angles where I don't know if that was going to happen. You know, I don't think you can lead Billy Hernan Gomez to the other side of the basket and ask him to do kind of a put around. That's a bit of a tougher shot there, and he's probably not expecting that. And it feels like the Denver Nuggets also knew, and this is maybe the larger question, that this wasn't going to go to Billy Hernan Gomez. I think they knew it was going to CJ right off the bat and just kind of shaded that way, and hence why he was so covered. So the Pelicans' end-of-game plays just haven't been great. The one for CJ the other night I really did think was fine against the Miami Heat. But in general, they haven't been great. You're not, you know, you'd hope they make a shot or two, and that doesn't seem to be the case. So they're not a bad clutch team. You know, the other big question from this comes, should it have gone to a guy like Jose Alvarado? Jose was the hot hand in the second half. He had 14 of his 17 points, was really leading the team, along with him and Larry Nance Jr. really doing work in the second half. You know, this is a tougher question. CJ's the best player on the team right now. Best player on the team right now, healthy. Getting him the ball is kind of what you want to do. You want to put it in your best player's hands and hope they win you the game. You know, I don't really truly believe the guys are clutch or not clutch. Sometimes you just miss shots or you make shots and there's a lot of noise in that, you know, final five minutes, five, uh, score within five either way, kind of clutch data. There's a lot of noise in there, so I don't know if I truly buy into that. So Jose being undersized, you know, coming in off a set play, not being able to kind of score in transition with only 3.7 seconds left. So not enough, you know, it's long, but it's not that long for Jose to necessarily drive down to the basket, kind of loop around and then put a shot up like he likes to and be an understized when the Nuggets are throwing a lot of length out there on the court. I don't think Jose would have been able to get to the rim and his jump shot wasn't quite falling. It was one of four from three. Not that they needed a three, but if he takes and takes a mid-range shot, it's likely going to get blocked or really well contested there. I just don't know if there's a better option right now than C.J. McCollum. And I understand maybe some trepidation looking at him to take those shots, but at the same point, 
This goes back to what I've been saying a lot right now about the Pelicans. There's just not a lot of answers with these guys hurt. We're going to be hopefully be seeing Brandon Ingram tonight, Wednesday, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And that's obviously who you'd like the final shot to go to. There's just not a ton of options, unfortunately. I don't think that pass to Billy was correct, though. If he was fouled and goes to the line, that's maybe better than what ended up happening with CJ. Just not a great play all around. Not a great play that led to the final shot you know, giving New Orleans the deficit there and a chance to get the win instead of already being up because you at least tried to take away Jokic and let Murray take a contested long mid-ranger, which would have been fine, in my opinion, rather than an open Jokic shot. Just not a great final two possessions for New Orleans in this one. Hopefully with health, we can feel a little bit better about it, but I understand the frustration in this one. I just don't know if there were very many more options. So coming up next, how they get back into this game? They were down 19, and they started to come back. I want to break that down a little bit for y'all. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by, it won't come up on the screen there, FanDuel, there it goes. The NFL playoffs are here. The NBA season is here. And we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed. When you place your first bet, a $5 bet, over at FanDuel. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to the point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Think Jose is going to go over his points of 12 and a half? He did that in this one. You can take that and the Pelicans to win or, or lose, which is more likely going to happen right now. Their app is also super awesome and super easy to use, and it's safe and secure. So NBA fans, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team, the good, the bad, the final plays, and how they came back. We're also going to be looking at more trade targets later in the week. We'll look at John Collins, maybe Mo Bamba as well as he could be on the trade block. We'll break it all down for you coming up later in the week in Locked On Pelicans. And now let's get back to the Pelicans' 99-98 loss to the Denver Nuggets. Kind of disappointing end, but you saw a lot of fight for New Orleans. So a couple things about this one. They were down 19 at the half and really started to turn things around through some inspired play from guys like Jose Alvarado from Larry Nance Jr. too. And it started in particular with the defensive side of the ball. In the first half, they weren't doing a whole lot in terms of getting stops. And it was the Nuggets just kind of doing whatever they wanted very easily. But in the second half, the Pelicans' defensive intensity really ramped up, I thought. And that really started to spark them and got them out and moving a little bit. They forced more turnovers in the second half than they did in the first. That was really big, I thought, because this Pelicans team needs just to turn defense into 
offense. This actually goes into an interesting discussion with Herb Jones that is probably worth looking at later when we get a little more data on the starting lineup. I've seen some people say he should be dropped from that. But when you watched him in the first half and at times in the second half get steals and then lead a fast break because of that, it gets New Orleans easy points. And he's really the main guy that's capable of doing things like that, turning that defense to offense. That's a useful guy to have in your starting lineup and something New Orleans needs more of. And they started to get it in the second half. And then that just kind of fueled their play, along with Jose Alvarado, who does an excellent job against this Denver Nuggets team, just they didn't have an answer for it. New Orleans kept going on many runs after many runs and got them back into this game and eventually got them the lead. This goes to something that Antonio Daniels says a lot on the broadcast. You know, on the road, the Pelicans had a similar cadence. First half lead, it whittles away in the second half as the guys just don't play at the same level. Role players play better at home than on the road. On the road, maybe you get two good quarters from your role players and that's about it. And then in the second half... It, it, it falters a little bit. Here, while not starting off the game great, you saw better play in the second half, maybe fueling off of that crowd energy that seemed to get into it when you saw a couple of really good plays. And I think that really does speak to it. That's why these next two home games are also going to be really important. If the role players can give you three quarters of really solid play versus just two, you have a chance to get two wins here against the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Washington Wizards. That's important. So being at home really makes a difference. And when you look at the NBA this season, there's not very many teams that are amazing on the road. Most are like 500 at best or just outright bad. Pelicans aren't an exception from that. Really good at home, not really good on the road, especially when healthy. So you kind of saw that in this game, I thought. Instead of faltering in the second half, the energy of the crowd really started to lift them up. Jose had talked about it before the game and after practice saying, we really need that. We kind of you know, thrive off of the home crowd. And just being creatures of comfort like everyone kind of is, being able to sleep in your own bed at times is a huge, big deal for these guys. And you really saw it in that second half. You know, and that's what sparked, I thought, a lot of the play. Just kind of simple. Defense to offense, getting out and running a little bit, not a ton, and then just kind of inspired play from guys that haven't been doing that a ton recently, particularly Jose. Really great to see him getting downhill, attacking, and putting pressure on the rim, something the Pelicans really needed in this one because Denver does not defend the rim particularly great. You also saw some tweaks for the Pelicans. It didn't end up working out, but at least they did something different, Right. Instead of Dyson Daniels starting in this game, you had Jackson Hayes getting the start. And the Pelicans just trying to go super tall. Jackson Hayes did okay as a starter last year. Did not go well in this game, though. He struggled. Didn't score at all in this one. 0 for 3. Didn't really give you much outside of a couple rebounds and a couple of assists. What's interesting, though, is he played more minutes than Jonas Valanciunas. Valanciunas had 14 points on 5 of 9 shooting. Jax was 0 for 3. Why, why did Jax play more? Why did Jackson Hayes play 23 and a half minutes to Valanciunas' 18 minutes? So this also factors in Billy Hernan Gomez too. Valanciunas was in foul trouble, but he only finished with four on the night. At a certain point, it's just wasting a good player by not playing him. You know, if he fouls out, he fouls out, then you play Jax more minutes. But if you're playing Jackson Hayes more minutes to try and save Valanciunas, but don't end up playing Valanciunas, does that do you any good? You also had Billy Hernan Gomez playing well. He does well against Nikola Jokic, 12.6 rebounds, including at one point the go-ahead free throws for New Orleans. He was excellent along um, 
with dishing out two assists and grabbing a steal. He was really good, really good, potentially could have made the game-winning shot, potentially. So you play him more, and you play Jax at the four, so maybe that's part of the reason why. If this wasn't a Billy game, maybe you see more minutes from Valanciunas, but it still kind of begs the question, right? What what are they doing a little bit with this rotation? You know, Larry Nance Jr. got a bunch of minutes too. This was maybe just not the best JV game. You also have guards and guys struggling to get Valanciunas the ball, not making the most of him that way too. But still, to see Jackson Hayes play more minutes than Valanciunas is a little bit head scratching. I, look, I give them credit for at least trying something. We've been saying do something different, and they tried to do something different And, well, it ended up being a little bit of a closer game than what we were expecting it might be. But I think there's also some other moves that you could make. And that guy wasn't even with the team. And that's Kyra Lewis Jr. who's in Toronto instead of New Orleans when the Pelicans have a bunch of home games coming up, which really tells you a lot. And we'll look at that coming up in the next segment of today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. CJ, though, also in this one, not another good shooting night. 0 for 8 from 3, 20 points on 9 of 22 shooting. Woof. You'd see he's, ta- he's overburdened. He's overtaxed. He needs some help. This is a guy that probably isn't the number one option. That's okay. He was brought in to be the third option, to be a second option at times. He's just being asked to do too much. He's actually been okay defensively, I've thought, and is just clearly spent out there and probably had something to do with missing that, that shot at the end of the game, the shot at the end of the game the other night. You know, they really just... This one's simple, y'all. They need to get healthy. They need to get healthy. And a lot of these problems get fixed. CJ slots into the right role. Other guys slot into the right role. You get better offense. That leads to better defense, too. It also works in the reverse. The offense to defense, defense to offense. Just, what can you do, right? Role players stepped up. Guys played hard. That was good. But, yeah, it's not enough to beat the Denver Nuggets in talent. Ultimately, still wins out. So, coming up next, let's look at Dyson Daniels. Injured, left the game, left the arena in a walking boot and on crutches. Let's also look at Kyra Lewis Jr. And then we have an injury update for Zion Williamson as well. That's coming up next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. The good, the bad, we'll have more trade talk because... Oh, they need something, don't they? Coming up later in the week as we get through some of these games. We also got another game tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hopefully, Brandon Ingram making his return. I think he will. We'll see a little bit closer to game time, but if they get him back, that could lead to a win, even though he's not going to be the B.I. we all know and love, and he's going to need to ramp up a little bit. But just getting him on the court is going to be a really big thing. So in this game... The Pelicans made some tweaks. We just talked about it in the last segment. Starting Jackson Hayes didn't go well, but at least they did something. And I appreciate that. I wanted to see that. One of the things I've been hoping for, though, and I don't know if this is truly an answer, but why not try it, is more Kyra Lewis Jr. minutes. Get him to get out there. Just put pressure on the rim. Get downhill. You don't have shooting. So you may as well put in a guy that does something else, right? If Devontae Graham's going to go 0 for 3 from 3 and give you one point, how is not playing Kyra Lewis Jr. the better decision? If Kyra gives you one point, is there any difference here? And I don't think there is. So while I don't necessarily think the answer is Kyra Lewis Jr., should at least try it. Except the Pelicans couldn't in this game. 
They sent Kyra Lewis Jr. down to the G League to go get some run with the squadron. They're in Toronto. He posted like an Instagram thing of being like, I'm in Toronto or whatever it was. And he's going to get some games there as they play two games up there before going to Maine. It's a little bit strange they did that. Usually you want guys around the team and getting practices in and being around the team, going through shoot arounds, things like that, getting in work against NBA level competition, because I don't think the G League is like at this point for an NBA player that going to do much unless it's just to get him some playing time. So if you're sending him there, not to like develop skills, but because he's better than that, he's going to torch it up in the G, in the G League again. And you're, you're sending him there just to keep him from getting rusty it means you're just very clearly not going to play him, right? That's what this means. You have three games at home in like a five-day period and you're not going to play one of your guys so you're going to send him away. Usually you keep him around if there's games because you could use him, especially if someone gets hurt and Dyson Daniels rolled his ankle in this game, only played seven and a half minutes, looked pretty bad, went to the locker room, left the game on crutches and in a walking boot. And now you don't have Kyra Lewis Jr., which maybe could have helped you in this one. Garrett Temple got significant, important minutes in this game. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? You're going to play Garrett Temple Jr. And this would have been the plan anyway, right? With Kyra Lewis Jr. there over, over him. The guy you drafted 13th overall. Back from injury, has shown the speed, could maybe put some pressure on the rim against a team that doesn't defend the rim well. I don't get this one. I do not get this one. Just, the minutes from Devontae Graham have not been good. He's not shooting well. What have you got to lose by trying Kyra Lewis Jr.? He gives you zero points instead of the one that Devontae Graham gave you. How could it make it that much worse? Like, how could it make it that much worse? You're on a five-game losing streak right now. You got to do more than just start Jacks and do some other things differently. Devontae Graham and Garrett Temple getting over, getting about 25 minutes of action, that's not the answer. It's not the answer. Again, Kyra Lewis Jr. might not be the answer either, but we don't know that for sure yet. But it's definitely not Devontae Graham and Garrett Temple. Those type of things are really frustrating with this team. An injury happens, you're already thin as is, and you don't have a guy that could be really useful and a guy that you should at least give a shot to. Because you sent him to the G League, where I promise you, he's going to be the same exact player when he comes back. The G League, for guys that are NBA-level players, doesn't do much. The level of competition down there with no rim protection, not the same kind of speed as NBA players isn't going to put like Kyra in a position to, to work on his game, to work on his craft. It's going to be against these players. It's going to be in film. And you send him away from that. And I think that's the wrong thing to do. I think they've got to try him because some of the minutes you're giving to end of bench guys aren't good. I don't get what the reluctance is with that whatsoever. Really confused by some of the decisions on that. Um, but hopefully that gets kind of worked out a little bit with Ingram coming back and, you know, not needing to go as deep on the bench and guys slotting into their normal roles a little bit more. We also got an update on Zion Williamson. Got imaging done. The good news is they said he's healing fine, going as expected. He's going to get reevaluated in two weeks. Two more weeks and then maybe two weeks after that. So you're looking at four more weeks before he's realistically back out on the court. 
With a hamstring, there's just kind of guidelines, things you got to do. These guys got to run their course. Hamstring can be a real serious injury, keep you out for long. You got to strengthen it, which is what the Pelicans are doing right now before putting Zion back out on the court to really go through some workouts and ramp him up from, you know, one-on-one, two-on-two, so on and so on to a couple of five-on-fives. As long as it's healing well, there's no setback. This is following the right kind of timeline for this sort of thing. That makes me feel pretty good about what we're seeing from or what we will see from him. Feel good about that. Not concerned about that. This is all going according to plan. Just sucks. Kind of as simple as that. That seems to be the case a lot for the Pelicans. So with that, and potentially Brandon Ingram coming back, enjoy the game tonight. I'm looking forward to this one. I'll maybe see you at the arena. And as always, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game.